Acts 18. We're talking about reflecting, renewing, and refreshing. Uh, that's been our theme, and uh, I hope that it's taking root in your heart that God has given us some wonderful ways to experience deeper joy and fruitfulness. And by fruitfulness, we mean effectiveness in ministry uh, through the same things that we see happening in the life of Paul there in Acts chapter 18. So we need to take time to reflect, renew, and refresh, and it will lead to this greater joy and fruitfulness in ministry. And if you're in uh, Acts 18, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able, Acts 18, verse 18. So, so Paul remained a good while, and he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sincrea, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they had asked him to stay a longer time with them, he didn't consent, but he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, probably the Feast of Pentecost. But I will return again to you, God willing, and he sailed from Ephesus. And this is really the end of the second mission journey that he took. And it says, then when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And again, that's a summary of his third missionary journey, and the details are given in the following verses. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand. Heavenly Father, we desperately need to do ministry your way. It's very easy for us to have man-centered thoughts when it comes to ministering to others, but God, you give us some things that will give us joy and fruitfulness. And so, Lord, we don't want to set them aside and say, oh, some people might need that, but not me. God, I pray that we'd lay hold of it, especially as we talk about the issue of rest this morning. We ask that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sherry and I uh, recently went skiing in Weston, Missouri, uh, there at Snow Creek. And, uh, and I, I admit, I don't know much about skiing. I'm not very good at it. I enjoy it. I'm just not very good at it, like a lot of things, like uh, I do. But we had to rent ski equipment. And uh, I admit that uh, I don't really know how to set up ski equipment. There's actually some uh, things they do to the skis in order to make them fit correctly. And uh, so I was really dependent upon them. We went to the rental area, and they began to fit us with the equipment that we were going to need. Um, so they just take all this information from us, and they ask us all kinds of questions, and then they go and choose the right equipment, and then they'll kind of set things on the skis to help make them perfect for uh, who, you know, are skiing. And so, so we started skiing, and uh, I was going down a hill, and twice my ski just popped off out of the boot. And uh, so my poor skiing is really not my fault. It's the equipment. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's really definitely uh, my skiing ability. But uh, as we skiing, it popped off twice, and I, I realized this is going to be a problem. And I'd skied before but didn't have that. So I went to the ski uh, rental uh, equipment building, and uh, I brought it to him and said, hey, I'm having a real trouble with this ski popping off. And so he looks at the ski and checks a couple things and says, oh, oh, this is not set up right for you. 
So he starts taking a screwdriver and making some adjustments and says, here, try this. But if you have any problems, just come and see me again. I put that ski on, and you know what? I had no problems the rest of the day. And uh, I realized that there are people who know more about ski equipment than I know. I know nothing, and I'm pretty much dependent upon them to set it up for me. Um, would you agree with me that there's some things in life, really all things in life, that God just knows more about than we do, so we probably ought to take his advice? Would you say that? If you agree with that, say, yeah, there's some things that God knows way more about than me about life, and so I really need to follow his instruction on it. Would you say that? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, I'm glad you agree with that because uh, that is correct. Uh, well, if you agree with me on that, then I want you to keep that in mind this morning because you may disagree with me at some point, but just keep in mind it's not me. Uh, it's what God tells us to do. And so remember where we're at. This is Paul finishing up the second missionary journey. He goes back to Antioch. He goes back to Jerusalem for rest and recuperation and also to keep a Nazarite vow which we kind of looked at the reason why he did that. And he spent some time in worship and, and fellowship with the mother church and uh, with Antioch, which is kind of the first major outpost uh, church that he planted, and it was helping him reach Asia and Europe. And uh, so he stayed there for a couple more months. Uh, after his first missionary journey, he spent about a year back in Jerusalem. And this, we think, probably it could have been up to a year, but certainly... Uh, months of time that he spent kind of resting and recuperating. Uh, he did stop in Ephesus on his way back. He preached in the synagogue. They say, oh, we like what we're hearing about this gospel message. Stay and preach. And he said, no, I got to go to Jerusalem. And so he left Aquila and Priscilla there, and he kept on his way. And what we've been noticing so far is a couple things, and I won't spend much time because we've already looked at them in depth, and that's uh, Paul took time to reflect on God's goodness. If you want a fruitful ministry, if you want to join the ministry, you got to stop and take time to be thankful for what God is doing. If not, you can get overwhelmed by the responsibility or even by sometimes the heartache that comes along with ministry. We've got to stop and thank God for his goodness. It's part of the key components of a joyful and effective ministry. But he did more than that. He renewed his vision. Uh, he stopped in Ephesus, and he was reminded, hey, I'm going to take some time, but God has more gospel opportunity for me. He says, God willing, I'm coming back. And so uh, he was able to go back and rest and recuperate, but that just really strengthened him and really fueled him for the next missionary journey, the third one that he was going to take. And so we looked at that, and we looked at how we can also renew our commitment in some key areas uh, like he did, uh, renew our commitment to know and follow Christ, to reach our community. We see that in Paul. The Nazarite vow was really was to open up gospel doors to go back to the Jews, because remember, he had taken some time, he had said, I'm going to go from now on to the Gentiles, but he meant just in the city of Corinth, but they could have used that against him to say, well, you don't even care about the Jewish community anymore, all you care about is Gentiles, but keeping that Nazarite vow showed his commitment to his, the Jewish community, I care about you, I love you. By the way, we can learn a lot from Paul's uh, cultural and social sensitivities to the, to the Jewish communities to open up gospel doors. I don't have time to talk about it in this message series, but I'd love to explore that more as a church and say, how can we both socially and culturally engage our community in ways that positively open up doors for the gospel? Because that's what Paul did. Uh, so he renewed his vision. But now I want to talk about this issue of refreshing the body and soul. 
okay? Now, we've got a lot of hard workers in this church. I'm very, very thankful for that. They have people who, they just go at it full bore, you know, love. They're not lazy. They love to labor, and that's good. We should be hard workers. But I want to lay before you the importance, both theologically and just practically, why the body needs rest. Not just the body, but the mind, the soul, uh, our emotions, and even of course, spiritually, we need rest. And so think of this, this second missionary journey, if you were to go back and we were to rehash all that Paul had experienced, he experienced a lot of hardship. It was full of danger. It took a toll on his body, on his mind and his soul. Uh, even in Corinth, in, you know, there was some trouble that he faced. Um, so as he was returning to Jerusalem, Antioch, it reminds us that even Paul, the apostle, needed time to rest and recuperate. He needed some time to refuel and refresh his body, mind, and spirit. And so I want to look at some reasons why rest is good for us, okay? Um, first of all, I just want to establish this. Sabbath rest is for everyone. You're like, no, pastor, you're wrong. I'm a New Covenant, New Testament Christian, not an Old Covenant, Old Testament Christian, and so the Sabbath doesn't apply to me. Well, you do realize that the Sabbath preceded the law. Uh, yes, it was incorporated into the law as a command for the Jewish people, but he established the rest as a pattern for mankind before he enshrined it in the law. And so this is just something that's good for all of us, new or old covenant, right? And so Ministry is really for everyone, and ministry is just more fruitful with, and joyful with periods of rest. It's just good for everyone. Um, think about what it says in Matthew chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter two and verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field. It says the sack, um, and they began to eat some of the grain that was growing there. By the way, they weren't stealing. <laughs> People said, you can't just walk through and grab somebody else's grain. Uh, actually, the Mosaic Law allowed for this. You, you couldn't gather it and keep it. You can eat just enough to satisfy your hunger. But as they were walking through, they were grabbing grain, and they were just kind of munching on it as a snack and, uh, because they were hungry. Uh, and of all things, what the Pharisees said about this was, you can't do that because it's the Sabbath, and that constitutes work. You're harvesting. Now, that's not what the Mosaic law said. That's all the man-made regulations that they added on top of it. They took the principle of Sabbath rest and they added all kinds of man-made rules on top of it and said, now you got to keep all these man-made rules and not just honor the Sabbath. But Jesus says something very interesting. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now, he's saying a couple key things. One, he's saying he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, hey, I'm God. And so I think I know how to apply and understand the intent of my father when it comes to the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm not breaking the Sabbath. And by the way, I'm God in flesh, so I get to apply the law accurately because you guys have done it very inaccurately. But he also says this, and it's key, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That means that God made the Sabbath rest principle a good thing for mankind, just like uh, he made marriage even before the law, and marriage becomes a good thing, a benefit, a positive thing for all mankind. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So God made rest as a positive benefit for all 
mankind. And so, God gave man a benefit. You understand that God didn't need to rest, right? If you're all-powerful, you don't reduce your strength and power so that you need to refuel. God didn't do it for his own benefit. He really did it for our benefit. I mean, I ask again, does God know what we need even more than us? Yes. The Sabbath was given for two reasons, as a rest and as a remembrance. And I think those are going to be key in understanding. Rest and remembrance, that's why we need times of rest. To rest, the rest of the body and, and the soul is to remember that God is sovereign all over all of life. God knew that man needed to remember and to rest. And is God right? Well, of course he is. And so we shouldn't ignore it if God says it's important and it's for our benefit. So let me give you some reasons why rest theologically and practically is good for us. Sabbath is for everyone, but rest restores our identity. And you say, what? Our identity, it helps us to remember who we really are. Because the fact is, is we tend to forget. We get so lost in the details and the busyness of life, we forget that first and foremost, we're God's people. We belong to Him. But this rest and remembrance helps bring us back to remember who we really are and to lay hold of it. I mean, think of it. In the law, God enshrines the Sabbath as part of Israel's weekly schedule as a mark of them being God's people. I mean, there were other marks. Certainly, circumcision was one of them. But he said, you're going to be different than the nations around you in that you're going to take a whole day, and you're going to dedicate it to me, and you're going to rest your bodies, and you're going to remember me. He gave this rest even to Adam and Eve because he did it as part of the creation act. He gave this gift even before the law to Adam and Eve. He said, Adam and Eve, and all that you're doing, you need to stop and take a day of rest. So purposeful rest reminds us that we belong to God and that our schedules belong to Him. Because we need to remember that He's not just Lord of the Sabbath, He's Lord of our entire life. And that's what a day of rest does. It says, stop, because we're prone to think that things will go better for me if I control them, I control my schedule, and if I just work, 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 I can make things happen. And God says, no, stop. I can't stop. Then who do you really trust? Then who do we really trust? If we say, I have to, things won't happen unless I make them happen, that means we don't believe in a sovereign God. That means we believe in a sovereign us. But God says, I want you to learn to trust me. Matter of fact, interestingly, if you look through how God set up the law, there were times where every seven years they had to stop and not plant anything. You're thinking, how in the world are they going to make money? He says, just trust me. Just trust me. I'll let it grow, and you can harvest what grows. He also says, don't reap the edges of your corners of your field. Let the poor come and receive. You're thinking, God, you're taking away my ability to get for me. No, he was saying, would you learn to trust me? Stop thinking that if I work 24-7, then I'll make a good life for myself. He says, learn to put your time, including a day of rest, 
into your schedule for my glory. Just trust me. It's good for you. And by the way, I think this is why church attendance is so important as part of that. It reminds us that our schedule isn't just about building a life for us, saving up for us, but it reminds us that we belong to God's kingdom. And when I stop and say, hey, I'm busy, I don't have time to go to church, when we stop and say, no, I'm going to church because I need that spiritual rest that I find there, but I also remind myself, I'm recalibrating my heart that God is the one who controls my schedule. So when I take a day and I stop and I say, I'm going to dedicate this to the Lord, that is reminding us that the rest of our week belongs to him too. It really just sets our heart, recalibrates it back to saying, God is in charge of this, not me. But rest, so rest reminds us that we're God's people. And when we stop and follow his plan, it's saying, God, I trust you, not me. But it also reminds us it's about relationship. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that beautiful? God uses the idea of a Sabbath rest to picture our salvation. And I love that. Now, here's what's amazing. You're saying, well, wait a minute, this doesn't even make sense to me. Because in the Sabbath principle, you, you rest on the seventh day. So it's work, 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 rest. So how does that picture salvation? Because it's not me work, 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 and then I get to enter into salvation, right? No, no, no. This is the beauty of it. The beauty of it for us is understanding that Jesus did the work, 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 work. And we enter into his labor, his rest. We enjoy with Jesus. And then, here's the beauty of it, our labor all flows from the rest that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus did the work. We enter into the rest, and now all of our labor really flows out of all of our service, all of our love, all of this is really an outflow of what he already did, and what we receive is rest in our souls. But here's the thing is, this is not built on, our salvation isn't built on what we're doing for God, but what he did for us. And this is done in the context of relationship. And so when you take a day of rest, it's reminding ourselves that my salvation is based on what Jesus did for me. And my relationship with God through Jesus and my relationship with Jesus is why I can rest. Why my soul can be at rest and why I can even give my body rest because of all that Jesus has done. And because I'm in union with him, I don't have to work. I can rest. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to work your job. <laughs> I'm saying this is a spiritual principle that has application to the physical parts of our life as well. So it reminds us that our identity is in Him. We're God's people so we can rest. It reminds us that it's about a relationship. And my relationship with Jesus Christ includes rest so I can enjoy the rest that He gives us, even the physical rest. But not only do we have to rest spiritually, and I can't emphasize enough that this kind of worship service is part of that rest. Oftentimes, we kind of just reduce it to the dimension of, well, I just need bodily rest. And what happens is this. We fill our life with so many activities 
that all of a sudden Sunday rolls around and people are like, oh, I just need a day of rest. I am going to stay home and rest instead of go to church. But that's reducing the dimension of rest to only the physical aspect of it. Well, my body needs some rest. But listen, the rest that we have includes emotional, spiritual, and physical. And so when we come and worship like this, we are refueling our spirits through the preaching of the gospel, the singing, ministering one to another in fellowship. This is refueling us. And so instead of saying, oh, I'm so busy with all my week's activities, I think I'll lay out of church. And I know you guys are here this morning, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But we need to say it as this. Yes, my body needs rest, but my soul needs rest. And sometimes we're just like, oh, I don't want to do anything because, oh, I'm so tired. But listen, we need to, we need to um, build habits into our life of taking spiritual rest, not only through worship, but also taking time uh, during your day of rest to, to spend time reading good devotional books and, and fueling your spirit with extra prayer and extra time of meditation with God. Because oftentimes people uh, kind of rush around in the morning, go to church, go home, and then they start doing all these other activities. They don't stop and say, hey, I, my soul needs rest. Worship helps that, but I need other times with, with uh, meditating on, on Jesus and spending time in the Word and prayer to refuel my spirit. Look at both of those dimensions, spiritual and physical, and why it's so important. But fourthly, rest really restores the soul. I think you see this so beautifully in the 23rd Psalm, especially verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, the rest that we have in Jesus restores the soul. But God also gives us this, this wonderful thing called a Sabbath rest principle to help Spend time refueling and restoring the soul. Now, would you agree with me that sometimes weeks, there's weeks that you just really get beat up spiritually. Satan is attacking and fighting, and you're, whether it's at work or whether it's other relationships, and it just seems like Satan is, is throwing everything he's got at you this week. Listen, that Sabbath rest, taking time, a break from your normal activities to stop and spend time restoring your soul will fuel you to go into the next week and not be completely depleted. And the fact is, is we see in the 23rd Psalm the beautiful rest that we have in Jesus Christ and how this is part of the benefits and blessings we get from being in Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. He is my shepherd that is leading me to lie down in green pasture. He makes me to lie down. You know, sometimes God has to make us. <laughs> he leads us and he restores our souls, but sometimes God just has to make us. There's sometimes I think in my life, you just I go, I go, I go, and finally God says, I'm going to make you stop. And he makes us just to lie down. But the fact is, is when he leads those sheep, he says, listen, you're going to rest. You're going to eat. Here's the water you're going to drink. And he causes them to do that. Listen, can you see that in the Sabbath principle, God is telling us, you need to take a break spiritually and physically or you're going to burn out, and if I have to, I will make you. Now, here's the thing is, it's a whole lot easier listening to God and just obeying than for God to have to make us lay down, for God to have to say, listen, if you're not willing to stop to restore your soul and refuel your spirit, 
to rest your body, I'll make you. And there have been times probably in your life where you've seen where God has just stopped everything, put a hold on it and says, yep, you're going to just focus in on me. Why not? Would it would not be so much better if we just build it into our schedule on a weekly basis to spend time spiritually and physically refueling? Oh, yeah. It's so much better. Francis Schaeffer uh, said, if we put activity, even good activity, at the center rather than trusting God, then there may be power, maybe the power of the world, but we will lack the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact is, is we can think, if anything's going to happen, I'm going to make it happen and press and press and press. The fact is, if you're not honest about your limitations physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you're going to suffer the consequences. J. Oswald Chambers said, to wait on the Lord and to rest on the Lord, in the Lord is an indication of a healthy, holy faith, while impatience is an indication of an unhealthy, unholy unbelief. And that's really true. We show our faith sometimes in the very best way when we stop and just focus in on Jesus Christ. But that means rest must then be purposeful. So we know that it's for everyone. It restores our identity, remembers. It reminds us who we belong to in case we forget. It reminds us that it's about relationship. He said, come and I will give you rest. And physical and spiritual rest is a reflection of the rest we have in Jesus. It certainly restores the soul. It refuels the spirit. But it should be purposeful then. And so I just want to give you, we're not going to be legalistic about it, but I would like to give you some things to think about when it comes to physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually resting. Now listen, I can't tell you what's best for you, and I think it does change from person to person. Um, I remember one time uh, my father-in-law was in an, uh, used to pastor in an area that uh, uh, was a reformed area. Uh, there's a lot of reformed churches, and they believe that you shouldn't do anything on Sunday. They would literally go inside. You couldn't do any activities outside. And uh, some people were pretty indignant when they found out that he would go out and throw the baseball around with his boys, something they enjoyed. And they were really indignant. Well, why are you doing that? You're not supposed to be outside doing anything. It's the Sabbath rest. Uh, I think that's a legalistic way of looking at it. Maybe for you, staying inside and just resting, sitting in an easy chair and reading a good book is what you need to do all Sunday afternoon. Maybe that is true. But for others, it may be different. Going out and throwing a baseball would be far more relaxing and restful for them than another person. So we're not going to be legalistic about it. But what you need to do is find for you the time and set it and then plan some activities that will best rejuvenate and refuel you. Uh, and here's the thing is, if you look at statistics, people who take a time of rest and a day of rest end up being more productive and happy. People who are on all the time. And I'll tell you what, I experienced this. Um, I, I, some of you know that when we were building this building, I acted as the general contractor. And I remember uh, there, because I was basically doing two jobs uh, the general contractor in pastoring, uh, I had some very long days, and, uh, and like you all have. And, and I remember, I just kept on thinking, I can't stop. I've got to get that next contract. I have to contact that next person. I've got to do this, this, this. I've got to compare bids and stuff. And uh, my wife, bless her heart, tried and tried to get me to stop. <laughs> and I just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And I'm telling you what, I started burning out. And, and here's what really went first was my joy. 
I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying the ministry anymore. It just became something else I had to do. I just had to press on and get the next thing done because there was a never-ending list of things to get done. I wasn't happy, and here's the thing is, I wasn't very fruitful either because ultimately, faith is what produces change lives, not just activity. But what happened is, as I shortchanged myself on the spiritual renewal and the physical renewal, so I was just cranking stuff out to get it done. And here's what happened. I, I lost my joy. I became, I mean, my wife can test. I started getting grouchy at home. You know, I was impatient with, the chill, with our kids. Why? Because I was just always like, something has to be done. And here's the thing is, people who work really, really hard like that and don't give them breaks, they have very little patience for people who do. What happens is this. I started getting this. Why aren't people working as hard as I am? I'm killing myself here to get this done. Why aren't people doing what I'm doing? And I'd see people say, no, I don't have time for this. Oh, man, I was impatient. I was, I was upset. Now, I may have smiled on the outside, but there's a few times I was grumbling pretty hard at some people in my, in my heart. I'm just being honest with you. And finally I realized, what am I doing? I, the whole reason we're doing, the whole reason we minister is to expand joy in Jesus, to spread joy to the nations in Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I don't even have joy myself. And what happens is this, once I started taking those breaks that I needed, I found this. I gave people more grace. I was happier. My soul was refreshed. I could be more patient with the kids. And here's the thing is, is and I want to be honest. Listen, let's just be real honest here. There are lazy people who need to work harder. We know that. But there's also hardworking people that need to take breaks. Now, uh, here's the bad thing. is Sometimes when you preach a message like this, people who are lazy say, yep, I just need more time off. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. Some of you need to hear the message, hey, it's time, to get, it's time to do more. It's time to get more involved because you have lots of time, free time that you're spending on yourself instead of investing in, in others. But by the same token, there are people who work very, very hard that need to be told it's time to take a break. And not only is it a good thing for you, it's a glorifying thing to God because it reminds you that you have rest in Jesus. And so let me just give you a couple things, okay? And um, we need to take intentional time to refresh our body and soul, okay? So I, I want to encourage you to be very intentional about it. Uh, so if physically you have a physically demanding job, then for you, maybe sitting down in an easy chair for four or five hours or three or four hours or would just be a good thing. Uh, if you're just expending huge amounts of physical energy, maybe your body needs rest. And sitting down and taking a load off, kicking your feet up, having a cup of coffee or tea, and just reading a good book would be exactly what you need. Maybe taking a very slow-paced nature walk would be exactly what you need. But if you work at a desk, sitting down is probably not what you want to do. What you might need is to actually go and do some vigorous physical activity. Because you say, man, I sit at a desk all day. I don't want to sit down more on my day off. Maybe you want to go take a, a really good bike ride. Maybe go take a run. Maybe go lift weights. And for you, the expending of physical energy is actually energizing. It's like, man, this really gets me going for the next week. So I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm saying you need to figure out what works best for you, depending on what type of job you have and what your week looks like, okay? Uh, now let's think about the mental. If you do a lot of brain work, well, I would encourage you then to on your day of rest, maybe limit that. Uh, 
And here's the thing, especially people who are small business owners and people who have uh, flexible hours, sometimes it's very easy to say, you know what, I got a few hours, I think I'm going to go ahead and look at that contract. I think I'm going to look at those numbers a little bit and to kind of sneak off and open up your laptop when no one's looking and kind of uh, look through some work stuff. Just say no to that. <laughs> just say, well, but my boss is really looking for him. It, here's the thing is, is if you don't take a day off, you're going to burn out and your boss may or may not care if you do. But the thing is, is God does. And the people around you, your family, they do. Your church family, we really do. So just say, I know things have to be done, but here's the thing is, I need to rest my mind. And here's the thing is, do you know if you do, you're actually going to be more productive? That's the crazy thing. You, you, I'm reading a book called uh, Reset. They talk about uh, as they've looked at people who take periodic rest, they actually produce more work than people who don't. People who are always on actually produce less. So take time. And I'm going to encourage you, if you can, try to take a period of time. Maybe for you, it's saying, hey, Saturday starting at 6 o'clock, we're just going to wind down. That's something that we try to do, to start winding down. We do a lot of projects during the day and stuff like this. Uh, uh, so maybe starting at 6 o'clock, then say from 6 o'clock on Saturday to pretty much 6 o'clock on Sunday. Now we have to get ready for Monday and make all those lunches and do all those things for school and for work. Maybe so, but just take a 24-hour period. If you can't, break it up. Say, you know what? I'm going to take uh, four hours on Saturday. I'm going to take five hours on Sunday. That's up to you. I won't tell you how to do it, but I'm telling you, you have to do it. You have to stop. Now, here's the thing is, some of us actually can do some work that is actually very refueling. Like, let's say if you mostly sit at a desk and do desk work, maybe for you, tinkering on, on a car is actually really fun. Uh, maybe for you, you say, man, I sit at a desk and I have to look at a computer all day, but man, woodworking, oh man, I just love that. If that's true for you, then do that. And so it is physical labor, but maybe for you, it's really refreshing. Now, if you have to do woodworking, so you just have to crank out something because your wife told you to, no, I'm kidding, uh, you know, it may be different. But here's the thing is, you can do something. Uh, there's times I enjoy tinkering in my car, and other times it it's not so refreshing. <laughs> and so uh, maybe it's uh, working on a motorcycle. Maybe it's riding a motorcycle. Uh, whatever. Listen, that's up to you. Maybe it's building a model. Uh, maybe it's throwing a baseball or football around with the kids. Uh, maybe it's whatever it is. The truth is, is find ways that you can take and give your mind and your body and your soul some rest. Refuel your soul. Uh, and then emotional Emotional, I think, is very important. Now, here's the thing is, we live in a fast-paced, nonstop world where we're being inundated with news feeds and social media feeds, and our minds are going, going, going. I'm telling you, it is wrecking our attention spans. It is wrecking them. And so, um, I'm going to go a step further. I would, I would encourage you, especially for uh, young children in your home, just keep the screens away from them as much as you can, really. Because... Uh, Learn, help them to develop deeper thinking skills. And what happens is, is even as adults, we're so used to things just popping out at us. Uh, do you know, like, when I study to preach, oftentimes I have to set my phone on silent and turn it over, because if I don't and things are coming through, I can't ever get deep into the Word. By the time I start to get really, to think through some kind of theological truth, all of a sudden it's bzzz, 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 and it's screaming at me. Uh, imagine if you were trying to do some work and you're working on your computer and your boss is, is, is standing over there and you're trying to do it and he's going, hey, 
hey, hey, hey, what about this? What about this? You'd be like, could you please just let me do my job? You say, I think I have that boss. <laughs> you understand it's very difficult when you're trying to do something, something someone's trying to interrupt you. Here's the thing is, is your mind needs time to just meditate on Christ deeply, and you need to take some time to just give it that rest. Turn your phone off. Uh, so some of you say, well, I texted you, and um, actually everyone's been very gracious about this, but it may be two or three hours till I return. If I'm in the middle of trying to think deeply about something, if I'm looking at my emails and then looking at my phone, I just won't get there. It'll be very shallow, very surface. And so we all need that, though. We need to be able to think more deeply. So t take some times where maybe just two or three hours on a Saturday or on a Sunday, you say, I'm going to read through this book and really think deeply about it. Think deeply on Christ. Maybe I'm just going to take uh, a whole hour, take a slow walk, and just pray. Now, if you're like me, I get distracted very easily, so I'm trying to walk and pray, and it's like, squirrel, <laughs> I'm as bad as my dog sometimes. If, if, if that's not enough focus for you, then go in the backyard and just you see, maybe just focus in on the ground and just start thinking. Close your eyes. Start thinking through things. Uh, so whatever it is that refuels you spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally is what you ought to do. And, but the thing is, is if you don't do it, you're going to pay a price. There is going to be consequences. And here's the thing is, not only will it do consequence on your health, but it, that'll show up in your spiritual life and it'll show up on how you treat your family. And the fact is, I've seen people who don't take breaks become very short-tempered with people over time. Now, I'm going to say something. Here's the problem with why we're so distracted as Americans. We just have too much stuff. We've got so much stuff. And that stuff, though we say we own it, at times it begins to own us. I mean, just think about every little thing, like a phone. Oh, man, my phone's not working right. Now I have to, now I have to get a new phone. That's something else you have to do. Every car you own, every gizmo, gadget, machine, and thing you have, every one of those is going to take some measure of time from you. Sometimes we just have to say, no more stuff. <laughs> no more stuff. Because I can either spread myself over a thousand things in a shallow way, or I can invest myself in some very deep ways and some very significant things. And we just have to. And the fact is, is because we even have so much stuff and we're so busy with all these activities we've committed ourselves to, even when it comes to serving other people in the local church and building good relationships, we're like, I'm sorry, I don't have time. And yet those are the things that really matter. The things that are eternal and, and all eternity is going to bear witness to the value of those things. And sometimes I just feel guilty that I'm working on something else that's just stuff that, yeah, I'm going to have to change that oil again. And I'm gonna, there's some things we all need. I mean, we have to get, have a car to get places because of our lifestyle, you know, the, the world in which we live. But the fact is, sometimes we just need to say, no, I don't need another thing. It's just too much. And so I hope this is, that's just a, some practical help, some practical advice on it. And when it comes to spiritual, spend, spend some time every day with Jesus. Spend time getting in the Word and praying. Your soul needs it every single day. But I would urge you to consider spending some extra time once a week just to restore your soul. Trust me, your soul will thank you for fueling it up. Especially when the next week comes around and maybe you get hit a, a little bit harder by Satan that week and you're like, boy, that extra time with Jesus, 
I'm really going to need that, that repository of truth and grace and power for this week. And then go to church. Your soul needs it. And even before you go to church, take time to prepare your heart to sing and pray and learn and fellowship. And find time to connect with other believers throughout the week. Your soul needs that. That is part of God's good gift to refuel your soul. Don't pass on it. Well, some of you are thinking, man, I need to take a day off. <laughs> well, I hope you do. And some of you are probably thinking, man, I, I probably just take too much time off and I need to spend more time investing in, in good spiritual things. Turn off the TV and open the Word of God. Well, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to do, let me just tell you, just do it. Take intentional time and make sure that it includes physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual rest. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we need messages like this because the truth is, is we can end up becoming a slave to our schedules and our stuff. And instead of us proactively and intentionally living life, or just kind of getting drugged down the road, halfway falling out of a car, and just trying to hang on for dear life. So God, I pray that we would realize that it's a gift, that the Sabbath rest principle was made for man, and that it's a blessing and a benefit that we need, and that God, you really do know what you're talking about when you gave it. We just need to listen. We thank you for your mercy and grace where we failed. And Lord, we look forward to the grace you're going to give us to build it into the schedule. Enjoy it in Jesus and then give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two things are going to happen. Brother Caleb's going to come and he's going to lead us in a song. And then we're going to observe communion. So brother, you come. Oh, how he loves you and me. It's a kind of a short song here, uh, but 349 is that um, number, and I'll let Dale get kind of set up here. He's set up. <laughs> 